We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event. Like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Welcome to the December 17th, 2018 edition of the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week, brought to you by MyBookie. I'm Blair Andrews. You can follow me on Twitter at AmItheRealBlair. My co-host Hassan Rahim is on vacation this week, but it's all good because we have an excellent guest joining us. Today on the show we have Court Smith. Court is a writer for Rotoviz and the Action Network, and also the founder of Bet the Prop. You can follow him and all of his work at bet the prop court thanks for joining us how's it going hey blair uh you know i'm all right it's uh getting to that time of year when all our hard works are going down the drain with a few uh wild variant swings <laughs> in week 15 and uh, that's sort of been the story of my day uh the last couple leagues i was alive in uh looks like uh, the last bit of hope is fading away just watching the rams here on sunday night and Unless they put another egg up like they did last week in Chicago, I think I'm going to be out. So, uh, you know, a bit of a sad day. I think there's not going to be any huge championships for me this year. But uh, as we were talking about before, the good news is after all these years of playing fantasy, you know, getting kind of used to the pain and anguish of the fantasy playoffs at this point. <laughs> yeah, very strange. I guess if you if you had Derrick Henry, maybe he helped. But um, yeah. if you owned Juju or Amari Cooper, guys who have brought you 
this far to the to anyone get, really get i mean it was a waste yeah. yeah it was a wasteland wasn't it but like that all those nfc east teams which you know had a whole bunch of like ezekiel elliott really didn't find the end zone uh none of the it was it was a rough day it was a weird day wasn't Definitely. it there wasn't a lot of guys popping off and uh i would imagine going to be some low scores in these semifinals coming up yep yep we'll get into all of that we'll start with the person i just mentioned derrick henry he rumbled to 170 yards and two touchdowns on 33 carries while catching his lone target for no gain sunday in tennessee's week 15 win so court henry has really exploded over the last two weeks is he a must start in uh championship games next week yeah, I mean, I think at this point in championship games, we can pretty safely say that, you know, he's startable. Uh, they play Washington, uh, I do believe. Uh, so, yeah, they're home to Washington on Saturday afternoon. I haven't seen a line for that game yet, but I would imagine Titans are going to open up as probably a five-point-ish favorite, maybe even a touchdown favorite against the Redskins, something like that, five, six points. So, you know, they're going to have a nice game script again to feed Henry a whole bunch of runs. Uh, didn't work out so well for Leonard Fournette today, but, um, you know, I really think that's a nice game script for Henry to get another 22 runs at least. Um, but, you know, beyond that, I'm not really too sure I'm buying into this too much. I mean... If you think he's going to get 30 carries a game going forward, then great. You know, scoop him up in Dynasty. But other than that, I mean, it doesn't change my opinion too much. We sort of know what Derrick Henry is. Um, and just because, you know, I'm not going to outweigh a couple of big games uh, over the fact that he's really been, you know, laid a whole bunch of eggs this year. A whole bunch of 20 yards, 30 yards, 15 yards, kind of low 40s. Um, and just because he explodes, I mean, that's what Derrick Henry is. We knew that all along, right? He's a he's a guy who um, can break off big plays. He runs very fast. He's a large human being that runs well in a, in a straight line. Um, but you know, I'm not I'm not scooping up in Dynasty. It doesn't change his value much for me in Dynasty. The the, the two big problems for him I see uh, moving forward in Dynasty, of course, the complete lack of of receptions. Um, you know, he's, he's just getting everything on the ground game right now. In today's NFL, we really need to see those targets from, from these backs to have that kind of consistent floor. And we don't have that from Henry. One target last week, zero targets this week. Um, so you, I don't think you can count on 25 carries every week. So I'm a, I'm a little bit bearish on his market going forward. And, you know, in Dynasty, if I, if I own him, which I don't really anywhere, um, I'm probably looking around to see if anyone's, you know, getting really excited about him, but I'm definitely not buying him in dynasty at this point, but next week for sure. Nice spot against the Redskins at home, probably going to be five point favorites. So, um, I don't think you can sit him at this point. They're, they're going to feed him a whole bunch again. Yeah. Uh, we saw this game was kind of weird. I mean, they shut out the giants, which maybe we shouldn't have been that surprised about, and they could <laughs> very easily shut out the Redskins next week, I think. But, yeah. Um, does it worry you at all that Mariota didn't have a very good game? That they, I mean, he ended up with uh, 88 yards only on 20 attempts. So, I mean, if Henry's maybe not running as well, if their defense isn't yeah. playing as well, are they going to uh, have trouble putting up points? Absolutely. It's a definitely a concern. I mean, we look at the last two weeks, the, the teams that you mentioned, the Giants, and then the week before that, it was the Jaguars you know, teams that are not terrible by any means, but teams that are definitely sort of notorious for, you know, terrible no-shows here and there. Um, so, 
you know, I, again, that's another reason I'm not willing to put too much stock in it. Those teams sort of waved the white flag in that game. But that said, the Redskins definitely fall in that category. They they got blown out, what, 40 to 14 or whatever it was last week against the Giants on the road. They're on the road against this again this week. So I do worry about uh, Mariota and just that offense in general, generally speaking. But, you know, in championship week, it's, it's a really nice spot. And, and that Redskins team is a team that absolutely can can just kind of show up and, and give up in the first quarter. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think next week is, is a good spot. I'm not overly concerned about next week, but um, I'm, I'm selling at the first opportunity if he goes off again. Yeah, you mentioned you don't own him much in Dynasty, but I guess if no. you did, what would you be maybe looking to get for him at this point? Boy, great question. Um, I'm looking. I'm probably looking for a running back that's got a bit more of a floor with a receiving, uh, with a receiving floor, a bit more of a receiving role. I don't know. Can you get? Can you get an Aaron Jones? Are we in the ballpark with like an Aaron Jones type of? Uh, you know, I guess it really depends on the owner, but but maybe something like that. You know, maybe a Derrick Henry plus for for an Aaron Jones type of deal. I'd be I'd be looking at something like that, but someone with a little bit more for. How about yourself? Where do you sort of rank him in dynasty right now? Where what kind of tier is he in amongst running backs? Yeah, uh, I wouldn't push him up to like the Aaron Jones tier. I don't think I probably yeah. am on the same. Page I wouldn't as either, you. but I'm just wondering if there's owners that would. You know, right. just because it's so much hype, and that's that's sort of how I approach these dynasty questions. Is you know what I think is one thing, but you know it only takes one person to to value him highly to kind of pull off a trade. But you're right; I don't think his value is quite there with with Aaron Jones right now. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, after these two games, if you you know find an owner who's maybe worried about uh, Aaron Jones' knee, and you can <laughs> and is yeah. maybe uh, competing right now for a championship, then maybe this is a good time to to try yeah. and make that move yeah absolutely and i just worry about you know that titans offense it's just so inconsistent week to week um and it has been for years now so there's nothing i've really seen in the last few days that's kind of changed my mind on henry or Mariota or that coaching staff or anything else <laughs> right all right uh speaking of aaron jones and his knee he was forced to leave sunday's game against the Bears. Uh, Jamal Williams rushed 55, for 55 yards and a touchdown on 12 carries and added 42 receiving yards on four catches. Um, Jones has said he thinks his injury is a sprained MCL. We don't yet know exactly how severe it is, but in any case, the Packers seem to have little to play for at this point. Uh, so would you trust Jamal Williams next week if Jones is forced to miss the game? I think it's a decent spot. Um, I'm probably not going to be as high as a lot of people. Uh, you know, I've seen some sentiment out there on Twitter already. I always sort of, a uh, you know, a league winner now at this point in the Packers offense. I don't really see that. I think he's probably good for a nice little number for you. I don't really see much ceiling there. Um, you know, we've, we sort of know what to expect, right? I mean, Jamal Williams, uh, or sorry, Aaron Jones was suspended for the first two games of this year. It was Aaron or Jamal Williams backfield. Um, let's see, 47 total yards week one, um, 71 total yards week two, uh, two targets and four targets, you know, not much there. You know, the targets are nice. I think three receptions is pretty reasonable. Um, but, you know, I, I can't see the Packers kind of turning to him as sort of a workhorse. 
he is what he is. You know, we all sort of knew what Jamal Williams was going into this year. And that's why we were excited for Aaron Jones. Cause we knew that Aaron Jones would have no problem making him, you know, look like the far inferior back. And that's what we've seen. And that's what he is. Right. So, um, unless he finds the end zone, I don't see a huge game from him. I sort of see, you know, 12, 13 carries, uh, three targets, something like that. The jets are an okay matchup. Uh, I think they give up the 10th most fantasy points to opposing running backs, somewhere around there, 10th or 12th. Um, Packers are on the road, however, and I think they've got some pretty nasty splits with the uh, with the road home splits. Much different offense on the road. So generally speaking, I think it's a fine spot. It really depends on who else you have. You know, I sort of see him putting in, you know, kind of a baseline of 13 points and with a ceiling of sort of 19 points. So... It's so-so. It's not exciting to me, but there are certainly worse spots. And, and if you're in the finals, uh, I think it's a possibility. What do you think? Do you, you see much there to get excited about? Um, potentially. I mean, he did have some big games last year when Jones yeah. was injured. He had some uh, pretty explosive plays that were maybe a little surprising uh, for mm-hmm. him. Um I mean, I agree with you that Jones is the much better back, but I think Williams probably is um, maybe a little bit underrated. Uh, So I can see him having some value. I guess the thing that I'm more worried about is kind of this whole Packers offense at this point. Um, It could have been just the Bears today and their really excellent defense, but you know they were unable to really move the ball well or put up points. Um, uh, (laughs) You know... Maybe they're a little apathetic at this point. Uh, yeah. So that, I guess, would be my main concern. What do you think of that? Yeah. I mean, I I try not to put too much stock into that kind of stuff. I tend to just assume that, you know, these guys are professionals and have something to play for. So if there is something to that, I'm not, you know, I don't know how quantifiable it is. So I'm just sort of, uh, you know, uh, approaching these games as I would normally Um but having said that, you know, you make some good points, and it, it's very possible that I may be underrating uh, Jamal Williams a little bit. Um, he's not a guy that I've owned a lot, so it's not a guy that I've I've really, you know, investigated closely. I'm definitely an Aaron Jones guy. Um, so you might be right. I might be underrating him a little bit. And like I say, the Jets is definitely not a terrible spot. Um, I don't like the Packers on the road as much as I like them at home, but the Jets against fantasy um, – running backs have been you know below average i think in the bottom third anyway so yeah it's definitely a good spot you know i think a, a top 15 uh, finish is definitely in this range of outcomes all right before we get into no shit shit no i want to give you a quick reminder that you can support the road of his radio network and our 10 shows per week on patreon by doing so you'll gain exclusive access to road of his live our weekly sunday morning video show answering all your fantasy questions patronships start at just six dollars a month and provide exclusive access to road of his live that's four shows per month on top of 40 podcasts for just $6. Become a Rotoviz Radio patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners, access premium content, and do your part in helping the network to grow and continue to produce high-quality, industry-leading programming. And speaking of exclusives, as a loyal podcast listener, you can get 30% off a Rotoviz NFL Pass right now. It's available through the NFL Podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Gain unlimited access to all of our NFL content and tools, Get amazing value, and you support the podcast network. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. 
Say Metro by T-Mobile. Got the best deal in wireless. And it's all for you. All for me. Just switch quickly. Because Metro has two lines for 80. And two Samsung Galaxy J7 Star phones for free. Plus Amazon Prime included. That's the way wireless should be. Only at Metro. Plus sales tax and activation fee. $50 plus rate plan required. Not valid for numbers currently on T-Mobile Network or on Metro in past 90 days. Offer subject to change. Offer valid for new Amazon Prime members. Amazon Prime has a $12.99 per month value. Restrictions apply. See store for details and terms and conditions. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV. The perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event. Now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz. The best or nothing. Now let's get into no shit shit no. First item up. Saquon Barkley compiled 31 yards on 14 carries while adding 4 catches for 25 yards on 10 targets in the Giants' Week 15 loss to the Titans. Shit, no, for sure. I'm not too worried about Saquon Barkley. Um, He's been absolutely incredible this year. You know, performances like that are going to happen. The Titans are a pretty tough defense. Um, And this New York Giants offense runs through Saquon Barkley now, even with Odell Beckham in the lineup which he wasn't this week, and it was a little bit of a letdown, obviously, with, with Barkley's uh, final line. But um, even with Odell in the lineup before, you know, the, the offense was going through Barkley, and his, his, his catches are fine. His rush volume has increased all year long. Um, so I'm not worried about him at all. And if you have him, you're not sitting him in the finals anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Dalvin Cook rushed 19 times for 136 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings' Week 15 win over the Dolphins, adding another 27 yards on one catch. No shit, for sure. Um, I really thought that I, I did play one Dalvin Cook prop today, just sort of based on the narrative that the Vikings, you know, fired uh, John D. Filippo uh, with the intention of running the ball more, and uh, that's exactly what happened. You know, it was a poor Miami run defense for sure, but I think that's sort of going to be the norm going forward. He was he was kind of hitting you know twelve thirteen carries uh, per game coming into this one, and he had nineteen today. And I think that's going to be a bit more of his baseline, sort of 17 carries. Um, and he's getting plenty of passing volume as well. So I really think that they kind of want to take a bit of a load off of Kirk Cousins and really sort of uh, play a bit more run-based conservative offense, run to set up the pass type of deal that we're seeing in Seattle. Um, so definitely a, a no shit for me. I think he's going to have uh, you know a good chance at a final. And um Beyond that, I'm not too sure. I haven't really looked into his prospects in Dynasty, but uh, definitely a, a no shit on, on his performance. I think it was it was well-deserved, and I'm not surprised to see it. Yeah, I think this uh, in the Vikings transitioning to a more uh, run-heavy attack was, was uh, I think, a lot of people saw it coming. Are you at all worried that his passing game involvement might not be as high as it once was? Two targets today. I mean, it's only one game, but on the other hand, we kind of were expecting them to stop passing the ball so much so is that a concern at all well now that you mention it it is <laughs> i uh actually sort i've had, had that game on sort of in the corner and i i seem to recall him catching more than than two passes but apparently i'm wrong so uh, i sort of assumed his volume was fine in that department but um you're telling me i'm wrong so yeah i think that is probably a bit of a concern um but like i say i i, I think that 
you know, he's he is going to get his two, three targets per game. And, you know, that rush volume, that increase in rush volume, you know, it was a 50% increase in rush volume today. So I think that kind of offsets any worries of that. And then, you know, any anything in the passing game kind of is a bit of a bonus, I think. Yeah, I mean, it maybe is kind of a weird game when they win 41-17 yeah. and yeah. they only have to throw the ball 21 times. Probably we should expect a little bit. Yeah, more and the Dolphins, Dolphins are particularly poor run defense, so right, exactly. might be a bit of an outlier there. Marlon Mack rushed 27 times for 139 yards and two touchdowns in the Colts' 23 to nothing Week 15 win over the Cowboys. Yeah, no shit. Uh, just based on the fact that that Indianapolis uh, line is, you know, incredible. Um, you know, a bit of a caveat there. Uh, I think that Marlon Mack is particularly game script dependent. Um, I think in games where they are favorites, we're going to see a lot of, you know, that kind of 20s, you know, maybe not 27, that's a bit high, but sort of pushing 20 carries again in, in games where they're favored. Um, but in, in games that are more shootout style in, in offenses that can attack the Colts, uh, much better than the, the Cowboys were able to do today. Um, I think a lot of that volume disappears, and he doesn't have much passing game volume as well. So uh, I'll say no shit. Uh, just, you know, that, that line is very good. The Colts are a good team, um, and, and Max a decent enough running back. So, uh, you know, that line seems reasonable to me. 27 carries is, is not repeatable, obviously, but very good line, pretty good player, very good offense. It's, it works for me. Stephon Diggs hauled in four of seven targets for 49 yards and a touchdown in the Vikings' Week 15 win. Yeah, I had uh, in my one of my semifinals today. I, I had uh, Adam Thielen and my opponent had Diggs and Cousins, so wasn't surprised to see that result at all. <laughs> and uh, that's a big fat no shit. I mean, we sort of you know Diggs is Diggs at this point. He's a uh, very 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 close one A to Adam Thielen. Probably been better really in the last uh, month or so, even with that injury whole bunch of targets he's maintained does seem to get a lot of end zone looks from uh kirk cousins so yeah i mean more of the same from Diggs. He, he's pretty much unstoppable it's just sort of how much they're going to feed him again like we talked about maybe a bit of a concern just with them transitioning to a bit more of a, a run based offense with dalvin cook so i think his targets were down a little bit more today that's definitely a bit of a concern um he was getting fed heavily earlier in the year um and i like that a lot more but i mean he's he's so good his efficiency numbers are good his volume should be fine um so that's a no shit for me you know he's he's gonna score seven eight touchdowns a year no matter what yeah i mean uh cousins only threw i think when did i say 21 passes so yeah seven targets so that's a is still 33 percent right target yeah, share, market so. share yeah yeah um i don't think we have a question about it but it Adam Thielen, I want to say, had two catches on two targets. Yeah. You probably know first yeah. if you had him in your lineup. <laughs> yeah. Are yeah, you concerned no, about him at all? Oh, man. Concern is maybe a strong word, <laughs> um, but that's certainly eye-opening, especially lately. You know, the volume has sort of disappeared for him. Diggs has taken over the market share a little bit. He's going to be fine, obviously. He's an, he's an amazing receiver. Um, but yeah, sort of combined with, you know, the fact that they're going a bit more run heavy, possibly combined with digs, um, you know, getting back to full health. I think he's going to have a lot more of those down weeks compared to what we saw earlier in the year. It seems to sort of be equaling out a little bit in that, in that passing game. It was all 
all feeling early in the year and now we're seeing that variance kind of bounce back the other way but um you know overall i'm not concerned about him but certainly interesting to see what's happened there in the last few weeks Naheem Hines rushed six times for 19 yards and caught four of six targets for 45 yards in the Colts' Week 15 win. Yeah, I mean, no shit for me. Uh, I played the over on Naheem Hines receiving prop today, and it was a pretty easy cash. Um, I think that that it was a little bit game plan specific. The Cowboys basically have two weaknesses on offense, although the, the rush defense was pretty poor today, so you can say that was maybe another weakness. But basically, they have not defended tight ends that well, and they have not defended uh, receiving running backs that well. So I was not surprised to see Neheim Hines get some carries. Um, yeah, it is what it is. I know, Blair, you and I were both pretty high on Neheim Hines heading into the season, both in redraft and dynasty. He sort of fell into that you did that really great article in the offseason about what we're looking for in running backs and what ranges you should be drafting them in kind of the, and you know what you came up with was that 7 to 9 range uh, round range is really where you want to be targeting uh, rookie running backs in terms of you know just return on value and he fell right in that range and boy it was looking good earlier in the season um, without when when Mac was out uh, so I kind of, it's a little bit sad. I really would like to see what Neheim Hines was capable of with a little bit more of a workload. So it's a no shit in terms of, you know, I think that, you know, four or five targets a game is pretty reasonable. He's going to be a bit game script dependent. Um, but you know, I don't know that you're, you can safely plug him into your lineups at this point on a weekend week out basis. Uh, just because Marlon Mack, you know, he's, he's going to get his sort of 15 plus carries no matter what. And, and Hines has certainly been just kind of relegated to a passing role, but I think he's more than capable of picking up some slack. Um, should something happen to Marlon Mack or next year, make it, you know, a bit more of an even timeshare possibly kind of thing. I don't know. That's sort of my take. What, what, what do you, what do you think, Blair? I know you're pretty high on Hines going into this season. Yeah, I it was, it's been kind of frustrating to own him. Um, no, but you know, earlier in the season, it looked like you said it was things were more encouraging. I think when Mac came back, around the same time, Indianapolis started playing a lot better and uh, right. just attempting a lot fewer passes. So, you know, Mac—I mean, not Mac Hines—has these, you know, several games in a row with like two catches, one catch, yeah. three catches, and every now and then he'll have seven catches, nine catches. So yeah. it's just uh, a lot of up and down. Um, I mean, it's surprising that they don't use him even more in the receiving game, just considering the weapons they have at receiver. But, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, Andrew Luck has been really efficient in the last, uh, you know, month or two. So he yeah. hasn't had to throw it, as much. Yeah. Even some of the receptions we saw today from Hines, I mean, he's, he's lining up as a wide receiver, uh-huh. like you say, so. A um, little bit surprising that he hasn't seen a, a few more targets because it, it wouldn't take much really to uh, to kind of put him into you know sort of a third tier RB three weekly basis kind of thing. Um, I really haven't owned him. I, I own him in a lot in a best ball, so I'm sort of getting the best of it. You know, on his weeks <laughs> that pop off, I really haven't. I didn't own him much in, in redraft at all, just for whatever reason. Um, so I, yeah, it's been okay for me riding that train. He's been decent value, I think, decent return on investment, but. Could have been a lot more, couldn't it have? It's a little little bit uh, heartbreaking to, to see what could have been with him. I think it could have been a really huge season if things broke a little bit differently. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, six targets today was actually second on the team, so yeah, a little encouraging, but, you know, it's kind of like this 
what we've seen with Indianapolis. Yeah. Luck only threw 27 passes. They win 23 to nothing. So there's no yeah. no reason for them to keep keep targeting him. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> that, I mean, I think that's kind of that's the sort of variance that might regress. So I'm hopeful for yeah, that's uh, a good point. Big things next year, maybe or maybe even sooner. Yeah, like why can't he? Why can't he force a timeshare next year? Right? I mean. Mm-hmm. I, I see no reason why that can't be a bit more of a split going forward. If, if Hines takes, you know, Mac took a pretty decent step forward this year, so I don't see any reason why Hines couldn't and, and sort of force the issue a little bit in uh, training camp next year. For sure. Kenny Galladay hauled in seven of eight targets for 146 yards in the Lions' Week 15 loss to the Bills. <laughs> Shit, no for me, but I'm also the guy who told you to sell Kenny Galladay <laughs> in the in the off season. Uh, and you know, looking back, you know that piece was really interesting. It, it, it doesn't look great, but that said, I mean, you look at what Kenny Galladay's done this year, especially in light of the fact that he's, he's been the number one there for a while now after the Tate trade. And then Marvin Jones went down about three weeks ago. Today was really the first sort of game where we saw him do what we thought he was going to be doing. Um, you know, when, when Tate and Jones were out of the way, other than that, it was, excuse me pretty disappointing um so i'll say shit no i mean galladay's fine i don't know that he's really the elite guy um that a lot of people are expecting you know we know he's an older prospect all that kind of stuff and the bigger concern for me more than galladay is just detroit in general uh i wrote a little bit about um their offense for the action network this weekend and you know, some pretty concerning red flags in terms of volume and efficiency for the Lions. Um, let's see here, 28th in yards per play, 21st in plays per game, uh, 27 in yards per game. So it's a low-volume offense that is not very efficient. Um, I don't know what's going to happen with them next year. For the rest of this year, you know, I think that the, the targets are going to be fine for Galladay to kind of get him through. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's a shit no for me just based on the price of Galladay at this point. I think he's sort of still being priced as an elite kind of receiver in Dynasty, especially. Um, and I, I don't see him that way. I sort of see him being, you know, I, this sounds terrible and I don't really mean it, but like sort of a, you know, a rich man's Devin Funches kind of thing. I know he's much better than Devin Funches. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I don't know that there's really that alpha material there. And I know that a lot of people would disagree with me. And I know that I very much could be wrong on this topic. But uh, um, I, I'm not as high as, on Kenny Galladay as a lot of people. And I think some of his stat lines have indicated that a little bit. But the volume's going to be there. He's still getting 8, 9, 10 targets a game. And really, who cares about anything else? If the targets are there, then uh, that's good enough for me. What do you think about Kenny Galladay? I'm always a little bit torn on him because I wrote that article and it was it was a popular off-season piece, but it was popular for the wrong reasons, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm certainly, I think, a little higher on Galladay than you are. I yeah. mean, what we've seen before this week really was kind of uh, vindicating your, yeah. your opinion, though. I mean, this kind of explosion came out of nowhere. We're looking at... What do you have? Five yards last week, yeah, and fifty before that. So I mean, and then a tough matchup today, and he goes off. Yep, yep. I think people were expecting when Marvin Jones went down that he would just step into that 
alpha receiver role and he really didn't until maybe yeah. today so yeah yeah hard to really evaluate what's going what's going on with him i do like him like you said an older prospect is kind of a red flag but um yeah he's got he's got kind of an interesting uh story about coming into the league and you know junior yeah. college and stuff so yeah. He really is really interesting, and it's it's hard to to say what we should make of the Alliance offense, right? I mean, sort of the yeah. first year in a new system, uh, Matthew Stafford has looked completely unlike Matthew Stafford. Um, I think that they, I think they really miss on Johnson. I think he was mm-hmm. uh, quite a spark for them, and I think since they lost them, kind of everything's off kilter. They don't, you know, the the obviously, you know, Zach Zenner and uh, Legarrette Blunt. You know, hard to get much going. We saw that today. I played the under on the Garrett Blunt, um, and they're just not able to get anything going. So it's it's sort of tough for that offense, and, and the volume's not there, the efficiency's not there. So I'm curious to see what they're going to do in the off season. I think that um, I think that a few more pieces for, for around Matthew Stafford would help to kind of take the pressure off Galladay. Um, yeah, but it is it's a tough it's a tough spot to evaluate, especially given. Just the price that people put on Gaudi, I think people really view him as sort of that, uh, you know, elite blue chip kind of guy. So if you think he's that, um, you're not trading him. You're not trading him away. And if you don't, then you're probably trying to get a blue chip price for him. But it's a tough spot to uh, evaluate for sure. Robert Foster hauled in four or five targets for 108 yards and a touchdown in the Bills' Week 15 win over the Lions. Yeah, it's a no shit again. I mean, he's been doing it for a couple weeks now, and. Um, He's really seemed to have that that connection with Josh Allen more than uh, any other receiver there. Zay Jones has had his moments, but um, Robert Foster has really been the guy who has had both the volume and the efficiency uh, in an offense that, you know, clearly not afraid to take shots downfield, the Buffalo Bills, and that sort of fits uh, Foster's profile. So it's it's a big no shit for me. DeAndre Hopkins hauled in 10 of 11 targets for 170 yards and two touchdowns in the Texans' Week 15 victory over the Jets. Oh, yeah. I mean, another no shit for sure. Like, it's DeAndre Hopkins. That offense, (coughs) pardon me, that offense is uh, starting to look a little bit better now uh, that Deshaun Watson's back to full health and we're seeing a little bit more of that um, you know, RPO and deception and that kind of stuff work into the offense. Um, it's funny before, uh, Will Fuller, Fuller went down, it was really starting to look like Will Fuller was sort of positively correlated with Hopkins in those, the splits before Fuller went down were basically such that, you know, Hopkins, uh, levels really went down when, when Fuller was active. And that seemed to be true in these last few games when, after Fuller went down, um, so that was kind of interesting, but you know, at this point, I think we can be fairly confident that uh, DeAndre Hopkins is quarterback proof. He's matchup proof. He's game script proof. He's you know corner proof. Um, you know, he's not going to go off every week, but uh, you know, it's a no shit for me. There's nothing about nothing about what I watched this weekend against the Jets that surprised me in any way. Evan Ingram came down with eight catches for a team-leading 75 yards on 12 targets Sunday in New York's Week 15 loss to Tennessee. You're asking the wrong guy about that one. Um, <laughs> I've I've really really struggled with. Um, it seems like every week I've been every week he's been active anyway, or even inactive. I've been I've been trying to figure out this Jets passing game in terms of props. You know when when um, when Sterling Shepard. Or, pardon me, when when 
when Evan Ingram was out, you know, Sterling Shepard really looked like a guy who was going to soak up a bunch of targets, and he did some games. And then Ingram was back this week, and I, I bet the under because the Titans were very good against tight ends, but he got a whole bunch of targets, uh, and he sort of looked like the main cog in that passing game over over Shepard, who I really thought was going to have a nice day because the Titans do tend to struggle against slot receivers. So <laughs> um, I'm going to say shit no just because I have no idea. <laughs> and they spread that ball around a lot and Odell's going to be back. And I think that was probably the main sort of driver behind this performance was uh, Saquon wasn't going, so they couldn't get the run game going. I'm not sure what happened with Shepard really, um, but it seemed like Ingram sort of picked up the slack with no Odell. And of course that's what we saw last year, right? Um, with no Odell Beckham uh, out all year with the, uh, with the Achilles injury, the ankle injury, it was uh, it was the breakout for Evan Ingram in his rookie year, and that was sort of what happened today. Ingram was back to full health, and uh, he saw a whole bunch of targets. So I think with, you know if Odell's out, then it's a, a no shit, and if Odell's in, then it's a shit no. I think, but <laughs> I'm not too sure. Do you have any takes? Do you have any takes on that uh, New York Giants passing situation and Ingram in particular? Uh, not really. This was surprising to see him get the 12 targets, although after what he did in his rookie season with Odell out granted I was really high on him coming into this year so I was right kind of expecting him to be like the the number three weapon in this offense behind Odell and Saquon and he's dealt with some injuries but it hasn't kind of worked out exactly that way um I'm curious where you might have him ranked in dynasty among all these young tight ends Oh boy, I haven't uh, I haven't had a chance to look at it lately. You know, I think last year he was sort of up up on that upper elite. I don't know. Let me think about this for a second. So I'd probably put him behind OJ Howard. Uh, uh, you know, I'd obviously put him ahead of guys like uh, Johnny Smith and that type of thing. Um, you know, still put him ahead of like Dallas Goddard and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, that's that's a really tough one. I, I'd sort of put him maybe just a cut behind O.J. Howard at this point. Um, you know, so much of it depends on what's going to happen with that Giants offense. Is Eli going to be there next year? Are they drafting a rookie? Um, yeah, that's, that's a really tough one. I, I, have, I have to admit, I haven't looked too close at the, the dynasty rankings of late when it comes to tight ends. Uh, a bit more of an offseason project for me, probably. Uh, do you have a do you have a feel for Ingram? I, just off the top of my head, I, I sort of feel like he's probably overvalued. I think um, when Odell comes back, we're going to see that volume sort of dissipate. That that's sort of my my gut feeling on it is a lot of this volume is just you know no non Odell driven type of thing. Yeah, uh, that probably is right. I mean, last year I think a lot of people had him in their top four with mm-hmm. Kelsey and Ertz and Gronk and. Um, that seems like he was overvalued then. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think O.J. Howard is probably the guy you would look at and kind of have a question. Would you put him ahead of him? Or maybe someone yeah. like David Njoku. Right. So, yeah, I'd put yeah. Njoku in front of him. I yeah. Think, you know, that, that Browns offense is on the ascent. I think the, you know, there's nothing but good things ahead, obviously, with Baker Mayfield. Um, Njoku, just, he just... He just feels like an absolute monster waiting to happen, doesn't mm-hmm. he? I mean, yeah. um, we've seen some flashes of it and sort of, 
you know, been inconsistent, but that's to be expected from young tight ends. Um, and I'm not sure we've seen that from Ingram. He was really sort of volume based last year and even this year. And, but yeah, and Joku is just such a monster, such a young guy, such an amazing profile. Yeah, I'd, I'd put I'd put him just behind Joku and uh, and OJ Howard probably in that order. Joe Mixon rushed 27 times for 129 yards and two touchdowns while catching two passes for one yard in Sunday's Week 15 win over the Raiders. No shit, and uh, you know it pains me to say because uh, I was doing my anti Joe Mixon crusade all off season long as usual, and um, you know I think. Uh, Looking back, the pick, sort of the second, third round pick was fine. It wasn't an amazing pick, um, but it returned decent value. And uh, especially now with Jeff Driscoll at the controls, I think that uh, we're just going to see a whole bunch of volume. You know, I don't know how, I think Tyler Boyd left today. I'm not too sure how serious that injury is, but either way, um, you know, AJ Green's down. Uh, Tyler Boyd might be a bit banged up. Uh, CJ Uzama is just sort of whatever. He had a bunch of targets today, didn't do anything with him. Jeff Driscoll is Jeff Driscoll. So it's going to be the, the Joe Mixon show, I think, um, for the foreseeable future anyway. So uh, he's going to get a whole bunch of volume. And, you know, to his credit, he's looked a lot better this year than he did uh, in limited time last year. So no shit for me. I mean, the volume's there, and it and, uh, looks like he's going to be pretty efficient with it. Dak Prescott completed 24 of 39 passes for just 206 scoreless yards and one interception in the Cowboys' shutout Week 15 loss to the Colts. And I believe he also did not have a single rushing attempt. Right. Uh, it's the shit no for me. I think Dak's going to be fine. I was talking about this, uh, I think, with Hassan. in the. He was asking in the Slack chat whether he should start Dak over Big Ben. And I, I noted to him that uh, I think it was in – uh, Evan Silva's matchups article, he was talking about um, <clears throat> Dak Prescott's splits uh, against zone defenses. And I think uh, the Colts run about 80% zone and they're just abysmal. He really, really struggles against those zone defenses. So I was, I was uh, fading Dak in a few props this week and it worked out well, but I, I think that was really specific. He, we've seen historically, he really struggles against that zone defense. Um, so it's a shit no for me. I, I think going forward, you know, the baseline we've seen from him this year is about what to expect. His attempts have been up for the last few months or so ever since, or the, sorry, the last month or so ever since uh, Amari Cooper came over. Um, so we're seeing a bit more volume from him. And, and again, that the rushing, again, I think it just comes down to sort of that zone scheme. Um, just didn't really have any opportunities against Indy, but I think on, on most weeks he's going to be just fine. Tevin Coleman rushed 11 times for 145 yards and a touchdown in Atlanta's Week 15 blowout victory over Arizona. Yeah, it's a shit no, just because the volume isn't here there for him, and it hasn't been all year, much to the chagrin of uh, you know the zero RB crowd. We really, those of us who drafted him in kind of the fifth, sixth round, um, you know, we were waiting for that Devontae Freeman injury. It happened, and then it was Tevin Coleman ten. 10 carries a week, 11 carries a week. And I was shocked by that. I really thought that um, we would see sort of 15 plus carries from him on a regular basis. And we haven't. Um, <clears throat> so he, he went off. He, he looked good against the Packers last week, poor run defense looked good today against poor run defense. Um, but the volume's not there. So I'm not really buying these performances because, you know, 11 carries a week, uh, a couple targets a week. It's not, you know, not something I'm going to be chasing. Yeah, he's probably been one of the most frustrating players to own this year. Yeah, 
Yeah. Not only because of the lack of rushing work, I think, but even maybe more so because he just doesn't get any uh, receiving work. One yeah. target today, uh, even in a game when Matt Ryan attempted 36 passes, which is you know probably about his average, maybe a little bit low. But um, yeah, do you see this situation correcting itself at all, or are you just waiting for Coleman to be on a different team next year? I think so. Yeah, the the rushing volume is is sort of what it is. We have even in even in good matchups, even in good game scripts, we haven't really seen him sort of get over that you know thirteen carry mark. Um, so I I don't see that. You know, if he's not doing it in games like today, and if he's not doing it in games like last week where the Falcons had a big lead against the Packers, then when's he doing it? Right. So. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see that changing much. I, I don't. I think he's sort of stuck around that ten to twelve carry mark most weeks, and, and a couple targets if he's lucky. Um, one thing I <laughs> have heard people speculate about is that Coleman. I don't know about the cap situation, but Coleman might sign next year with uh, Kansas City after they cut Kareem Hunt. Okay. What would you think of that pairing? Well, that would be amazing, wouldn't it? I've, yeah. I've not heard that. That's the, that's the first I've heard of that, but. Uh, you know, give me give me any back in that Randy Andy Reid system and uh, sign me up. And and I think Coleman in particular seems very well suited, doesn't he? He's, mm-hmm. he's sort of that quick back who uh, can get upfield in a hurry, can catch the ball. The only thing he's missing is volume, really. I mean, and um, and, a, and a coach who knows how to use him, and, and and he'd find both of those in Kansas City. So I would absolutely love that fit. And if that's true. Um, you know, he might be a nice, nice target in dynasty in the, in the off season coming off sort of a pretty disappointing 2018. Um, if you think that there's a chance he's heading to somewhere like Kansas city, um, you know, might be a nice buy low. Chris Godwin was held without a catch in week 15 against the Ravens. No shit. I mean, uh, we knew his efficiency was not going to last. He was kind of going nuts. Um, every time that, uh, Deshaun Jackson was out earlier in the year, had some crazy efficiency numbers. Um, red zone targets were off the map and he was catching everything. Um, so no shit for me just because I, you know, aggression was expected and that's what we're seeing here. Baltimore was a particularly tough matchup, obviously, but uh, I think regardless, we we should have expected to see a better regression in his efficiency numbers. Um, so it's a no shit in terms of, you know he's not a guy who's going to get 100 yards and a touchdown every week. But uh, that said, I mean, still makes a great. This this almost maybe if, if you're looking to buy him, maybe this is a a nice little opportunity for you. Because um, if he would have kept that up, what he'd been doing the last couple of weeks, he would have been unattainable completely in dynasty. And maybe this opens the door a little little bit. Probably not very much. I think anyone who owns Chris Godwin in dynasty it knows what they got in him, and and he's an excellent prospect, an excellent player. Um, and you know, I think next year Deshaun Jackson's probably going to be out of the way. Um, so, you know, I could see a very nice, nice year for him next year, but no shit just in terms or yeah, sorry, shit. No, just in terms of, um, you know, seeing that efficiency that he had earlier in the season regress a little bit. Any, any thoughts on, on Godwin yourself, Blair? Yeah, I'm really high on Godwin. Um, if this is a buying opportunity, then I definitely would want to try and take advantage of it. But I think, yeah. like you said, probably most people who own him in Dynasty, uh, yeah. you know, own him for a reason. They're not just going to yeah. buy because of one bad game against a really good defense. So, yeah, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really worried about this. I mean, uh, <laughs> I was, I'm more worried about what he did uh, last week with 
you know, one catch on, I think, 11 targets or something. <laughs> yeah. So that was a little bit weird. But, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm still very optimistic about Godwin and, and holding him where I have him and uh, trying to buy, but it's uh, it's tricky in Dynasty. Yeah, there's a ton to like. I mean, there's not many red flags there at all. So um, if this does open a little bit of a door, buying a buying door, great. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure it does. But, um, you know, I, I think that we shouldn't be surprised to see his, his efficiency regress a little bit. Austin Hooper went catchless on one target in Week 15 against the Cardinals. Uh, shit, no. I mean, I didn't watch that game too, too closely. I, I do recall seeing him drop uh, a touchdown pretty much right off his hands which, you know, I'm not sure we'd be having this conversation if he would have caught that. Um, so it's a shit no for me. He, he's, his role has been pretty secure this year, sort of averaging around three, four receptions every single game. Um, a bit of a down game this week, but, you know, I think Hooper's a pretty safe commodity that uh, those targets have been there for him. So uh, I'm not too worried about the result today. Like I say, I, I believe he had a touchdown that was just a straight-up drop. Um so, you know, could have been a much different conversation had he caught that. Marcus Mariota completed 12 of 20 passes for 88 yards with no touchdowns or interceptions while adding 10 yards on five carries Sunday in the Titans' Week 15 win. No shit. Uh, this is what he is. You know, he he has some huge weeks and he has some terrible weeks. And uh, this offense is very uneven. And, uh, you know, like we were talking about before with Henry, there's going to be weeks where there's a whole bunch of carries and then there's going to be weeks where they don't have dream game scripts like that. And it's going to be on Marcus Mariota. And, there's gonna, and in those games, he's he's going to have some huge games, 380 yards and some touchdowns. And then he's going to have games where he's throwing picks and taking sacks and fumbling the ball. And that's what we've seen from him over his first couple seasons. So. Uh, absolutely nothing surprised me about the, the poor performance today, and it's it's a no shit just based on the fact that uh, it's an uneven offense that you know has a ton of talent, but still hasn't quite figured it out. Um, but as much as I love Marcus Mariota, there's there's nothing that I've seen this year or today um, that changes my mind and suddenly makes me think he's he's turned a corner. So uh, I think that's what we can expect from him going forward. Just just pretty uneven performances and some booms and some busts. Gus Edwards rushed 19 times for 104 yards and a touchdown in Baltimore's Week 15 win over the Bucks. No shit, just based on the fact that the, so much volume there, I was a little bit surprised. I, I sort of expected uh, Dixon to cut into his volume a little bit, and he, he did a little bit in terms of market share. I think the carries were 19 to 11, something like that. So... Um, but, I mean, in terms of raw carries, you know, Baltimore is running more than anyone. I think they had 50-plus rush attempts between all the running backs and, and Lamar Jackson today. So that's what they're going to do. They're going to run the ball, and uh, Dixon's going to get – looks like he's going to get some carries. I thought Dixon looked pretty good today. <clears throat> they both had pretty similar yards per carry uh, rates. Um, so I could see Dixon starting to take a few more carries from him, but – Gus's workload has been very consistent ever since Lamar Jackson took over. Um, you know, it's kind of been 15 plus carries every single game. And I sort of expected that to wane a little bit this week and it didn't. Um, <clears throat> so I think that's, uh, that's what it is. We're going to get a whole bunch of uh, carries just based on, on pure volume. And even if Dixon starts to cut into that a little bit, the, the raw carries should be there regardless. Yeah. Do you think, <clears throat> you think this Lamar Jackson 
Baltimore offense can kind of keep this up, running the ball 40, 50 times every game and attempting 20 passes and, uh, you know, kind of (laughs) almost winning every game. I mean, they lost to the Chiefs, but even that was way closer than I think a lot of people expected. Is this something that's sustainable? Look, I mean, if they can go into Kansas City and play them to overtime and really sort of get a little bit unlucky to lose that game, uh, they can do that against anyone. I mean, you know, running running the ball is maybe not the most efficient uh, way to move the ball these days in the NFL. But if you can control the ball all game long and you're getting the ball, you know, you're holding the ball 40 minutes a game, it just leaves so few opportunities for the other team. And if you can run the ball effectively, then you should really just sort of snuff the life out of the other team. And that's what we saw saw against Kansas City. So, yeah, why not? I mean, I'm... I, I, I'm not the hugest Baltimore fan. They've sort of been one of the most hated teams over the years just because I'm a Broncos fan and they, they've dealt with some bad beats over the years. Uh, but I kind of like this Baltimore team. I don't know what it is. I, I, I was never a Joe Flacco fan, but now that he's gone, it's kind of fun to watch. I love John Brown, even though he's not doing much. Uh, Gus Edwards looks great. Dixon looks great. Lamar Jackson looks great. So I kind of find myself cheering for them now, and I – I really think that, you know, if they get into the playoffs, they can absolutely, you know, make some noise. Like I say, if they can play Kansas City that close and control the ball, then I don't see why, you know, they can't uh, put a scare into pretty much any team. Yeah, yeah, it's not exactly the style of football that you think would be fun to watch. But I guess even if they can run what is maybe a a suboptimal sort of scheme, but do it really well, that still makes it makes it good football i guess or at least makes it good uh <laughs> something to root for yeah what do you think i mean you're a ravens fan right are you is, is it something enjoyable for you to watch or i mean yeah the the winning has been uh fun to watch um <laughs> right. and you know like you i was ready for them to move on from joe flacco have been for a while and i'm yeah. you know really excited to see what lamar jackson is doing i think he's actually been a lot better than uh, maybe people expected when he's throwing the ball so I even would kind of like to see them let him let him throw the ball a little more but um sure but uh yeah it's definitely uh you know I mean it's working so yeah hard to complain yeah wins are wins and it's not like they're playing uh it's not like they're playing terrible teams every week they're they're looking pretty good against some decent competition yeah Andrew Luck completed 16 of 27 passes for 192 scoreless yards and no interceptions in the Colts' 23-0 Week 15 win over the Cowboys. Shit, no. I mean, he's he's been putting points up all year long. Uh, we talked a little bit about the, the Cowboys game before. Uh, I think that was just kind of a weird game in terms of styles and, and the game script and how things set up. And, uh, you know, they got out to an early lead, and I really just felt like they – they could dominate the line of scrimmage and that's how they were going to do it. And they didn't really need to, you know, press the issue too much with Ebron and Hilton. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be the case every week. Um, I think that that luck should have plenty of opportunities to, to push the ball downfield uh, like we've seen plenty of times this year. So uh, a shit no for me. I think Andrew Luck's going to be just fine. Amari Cooper caught four of six targets for 32 yards in the Cowboys 23 to nothing week 15 loss. Shit, no, he'll be fine. Again, same thing. That that game was just a little bit weird. Um, not really surprised to see Amari Cooper have a bit of a dud today. Um, you know, again, I think it was a, a function. We talked about Dak Prescott and his struggles versus the zone defense before, and I think it was really just uh, an extrapolation of that. 
um, just really struggling to find Amari in that zone coverage. And he'll be fine. He's their best player, and uh, they're they're in a playoff hunt, and uh, he's going to have to get fed if they if they want to make some noise. So uh, I'm I'm not worried about Amari at all. James White caught five of seven targets for 25 yards in the Patriots' Week 15 loss to the Steelers, adding two rushes for 12 additional yards. Oh shit, no, I guess I think that those targets he he did absolutely nothing last week, uh, and then you know this week I think the the game plan against Pittsburgh they have the excellent run defense, um, so I think the game plan was always going to be sort of a bit more passing around the line of scrimmage involving White. So I expected to see a few more targets, but he's not getting the rushing volume at all. He was getting some decent rushing volume earlier in the year uh, when Sony Michelle was out. Michelle's back now and he's getting kind of 15 carries a game and White's carries have really disappeared. So if he's not getting targets, if the, if the Patriots aren't in a game script where they're forced to sort of pass a bunch like they were today, um, then he doesn't have much value because he's not rushing. And uh, there are games where he's going to, you know, especially with Rex Burkhead now getting targets, there are games where White's just going to completely disappear. Doug Baldwin caught four of six targets for 77 yards and two touchdowns in the Seahawks overtime loss to the 49ers. Shit, no, just based on the fact that the Seahawks offense is so low volume. I think they run uh, fewer plays than anyone else in the league. Uh, they're the only team that runs more than it passes. Um, and Baldwin's been a little bit hit or miss. So shit, no, for me, just because I, you know, the, the volume's just not there in that, in that Seattle offense at all. And if it's not, you know, the running game, I, I'm not really buying any part of that offense. Uh, this is one of, I guess, the first games we've really seen Baldwin. I mean, well, two touchdowns today. The, he still didn't have much volume, but um, the, it's kind of been a down year for him apart from, you know, a few games like this one where he had 77 yards. He's only topped 77 yards one other time this year. Are you worried about uh, him kind of long term? Yeah, especially if the Seahawks are, you know, serious about this, you know, run game movement, run game renaissance that they're in. Um, that was a concerted effort for them to, to move to the run game this year and sort of take the, 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 the volume away from Russell Wilson. And they weren't joking around and they've had some relative success with it. So I think that, you know, right or wrong, they're going to be encouraged by that and, and sort of continue forward with that game plan moving forward. Uh, Doug Baldwin is getting up there in in years, um, and he's always been a guy that has sort of been extremely efficient. Uh, so you know, if if he's if he's efficiency based, you know that's not something I'm going to be buying long term. So yeah, definitely some concerns there, just in terms of his age, that injury he can't quite get right, um, and then of course the, the volume in the Seattle passing game. I just you know it's not something I want to buy long term at all. So. Court, you run Bet the Prop. I'd be remiss if I didn't ask if there are any Monday night football props that you're looking at that are especially uh, intriguing. Yeah, Monday night football, Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Uh, One prop that I'm going to be looking at very closely in this one and probably looking at the over is Christian McCaffrey and his receiving yards, maybe even receptions. Um, So a couple things here. The Saints play phenomenal run defense. They give up the fewest yards to opposing running backs in the league, but they're just sort of mediocre against the the pass, against the running back pass. Uh, I think they rank sort of 12th or 13th in, in yards given up. So 
you know, combine that with the fact that Devin Funches has pretty much gone missing. Uh, I believe that Marshawn Lattimore, the Saints uh, cover corner, is probably going to be glued to DJ Moore most of the night. Um, not that he's a phenomenal corner, but he's decent enough, and and they should be able to kind of single up DJ Moore and give a lot of attention to, to McCaffrey in the run game. So I really like McCaffrey in this game. I think that he's going to be their best chance to move the ball in a game against New Orleans where they're going to have to move the ball. Uh, the other thing that kind of popped out to me with Christian McCaffrey was he was number one on uh, Josh Hermsmeyer's uh, predictive air yards model. And not just amongst running backs, he was number one against uh, everyone, against wide receivers, running backs, tight ends. Uh, number two on that list this week was DeAndre Hopkins, who, of course, uh, went absolutely nuclear. Nuclear. So, um, yeah, I really like that Christian McCaffrey prop. It looks like the line right now is set at about 55, 56. And I think it's probably depressed a little bit because – uh, let's see, the last couple weeks his raw yards were uh, 55 and 38. Um, so I think his line's probably depressed a little bit, but the the volume's there. Uh, last three weeks, seven targets, 10 targets, 11 targets, and then eight targets the year before, or the week before that. So the volume's there. Uh, I think that the Saints are a little bit vulnerable in that area. Uh, so that's going to be one I'm looking at. It's a big number. I don't really like to chase anything over 50 with running backs, obviously, but McCaffrey's a special case. And anytime, you know, that air yards model pops up, something like that, uh, I'm going to pay close attention at least and, and give it a long look. And I think it's a pretty good spot for McCaffrey to, to uh, get that over. But uh, check bet the Monday morning. We're going to have uh, an article out uh, breaking down all the best props for Monday night. And we'll see if that one's in it. Awesome. Yeah, definitely want to take a look at that and all the other content you have at uh, Bet the Prop, you can use the knowledge you you get from Court's site and uh, following him, obviously, at MyBookie. Uh, you've heard us talking about this for weeks. Uh, whether you're an expert or a rookie, you should be betting at MyBookie. They're one of the only sports books that I actually use. Uh, there's so much you can bet on, college basketball, football, NBA. You can build your own custom player props, which is especially, uh, you know, especially going to be useful if you're following court and uh, using his knowledge. Uh, it's the one bet I know you'll be happy with all year. I recommend these guys because I really trust them. They've been in business for years. They've got great online reviews. Their mobile site is easy to use. And if you sign up this week, my bookie will give you a 50% deposit bonus to jumpstart your bankroll. It's a great way to bank even more money when you win. Also, make sure to follow BetMyBookie at BetMyBookie on Twitter. They personally respond to every mention and DM. They've given away more than $10,000 in free money to their followers this football season, and you'll be the first to know as soon as new odds and props are posted. So don't miss out on one of the best weeks to bet on sports this year. Log on to MyBookie right now, use promo code ROTOVIZ, and you get a 50% deposit bonus. You play, you win, you get paid. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at Geico.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. All right, moving on to news item number three. Kalen Balage rushed 12 times for 123 yards and a touchdown in the Dolphins' Week 15 loss to the Vikings. Uh, meanwhile, Kenyon Drake rushed just once for six yards. 
He caught all three of his targets for 28 yards, and Frank Gore left the game in the first quarter with an ankle injury. So is the Kenyon Drake era over in Miami? It seems that way, doesn't it? And I, I think especially concerning for Kenyon Drake going forward is the fact that if, if the Miami Dolphins miss the playoffs this year, I think there's a pretty decent chance that Adam Gase is fired. And if that's the case, then, you know, there's going to be a new regime coming in there. They're certainly not going to give much uh, preference to a fourth round running back in Kalen Balaj. And even if, you know, even if he doesn't get fired, I think there's a pretty reasonable chance that the the Miami Dolphins are looking at running back in the draft uh, regardless. So, uh, yeah, I don't know if it's over, but I think his days as sort of, uh, you know, I guess it, he was never really a feature back this year anyway with Frank Gore. But um, it looks like he sort of lost his role. And if, they're, if their season is circling the drain, then it, it looks like they might be wanting to give uh, Balage. Uh, a bit more of a look for for what he has going forward. So um, not a situation I love. I was never a huge Kenyan Drake guy just because I, I see that situation as uh, very, you know, kind of ephemeral. It's there's those guys, both of those guys could be out of a job next year very easily, whether Adam, Adam Gase is fired or not. Uh, I think there's an excellent chance that we see, you know, a high draft pick used on a running back in Miami next year. Um, and both those guys are, are sort of taking a backseat. Yeah, it was kind of weird to see Drake not get much work after the uh, Miami Miracle last week. But like you said, it seems uh, prudent for the Dolphins to, I guess, see what they have in Balage uh, with the season basically over. Uh, they get Jacksonville at home next week. Is that a situation where you would feel comfortable rolling out Balage after what he did today? I wouldn't say I'd feel comfortable. Um, <laughs> I think that it's got some potential again it's jacksonville is just such a weird team they just they show up some weeks and they don't other weeks um you know i think it's a decent spot we saw him get uh, a bunch of targets today he was very efficient on his 12 carries um obviously don't expect that to to continue too much but i think that you know 13 15 carries and five targets is, is a pretty reasonable baseline for him which is definitely more than enough to uh put up a decent number just kind of depends on which Jacksonville team shows up, but um, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not convinced that's going to happen. I, I think that's sort of the conventional wisdom, but I think that uh, you know, sort of going all in on that and Kalen Balaj getting a whole bunch of touches is it, it seems like a reasonable outcome that will happen. But I'm not sure it's it's set in stone at all. I don't know. Are we are we convinced, Blair, that um, he's going to get that role all to himself? I mean, it makes sense, but I'm not sure it's a given. Yeah. I mean, after how well he played today, you would expect yeah. that they would maybe at least go back to start, uh, go back to him yeah. early in the game, uh, see if he can keep it keep it up. But yeah, um, yeah, it certainly. And he's a, he's, feel an like int- he, he's sorry he's he's an interesting prospect. Is I'm just looking at his uh, some of his metrics coming out of of college. Um, he's a really interesting prospect. He, he let's see here. His, his prospect lab score was 47, so that was right on par with uh, Neheim Hines and just behind, just ahead of Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb had a score of, of 43, um, so that looks pretty promising. It's sort of a top 12 prospect lab score. Um, his workhorse score was dead last in the <laughs> draft at 33, um, but it's it's a speed score that really is intriguing, and I think that's what we saw today, didn't we? He He looked really fast. He's a big guy. 
his speed score was 115, and that was second only to Saquon Barkley. Um, and ahead of Rashad Penny, Darius Geis, Nick Chubb, Neheim Hines. So an excellent speed score, which is, you know, obviously something at Rotoviz that we look pretty closely at as far as prospects. Um, so I think there's something there. I think there's something there. I think if he gets the opportunity um, and he, you know, he did something with it today, and if he kind of puts another game like that down, uh, I think it's a possibility he could kind of, you know, work himself into a starting role conversation next year. That that speed score is awfully intriguing, isn't it? It's not far off of Barclays, uh, where we see him a little bit more deficient is in the kind of backfield dominator ratings and workhorse ratings, pretty much bottom of the class. And though, so he, he's a really interesting, he's a really interesting prospect. Yeah, for sure. He wasn't a, a prospect that I was really high on just because of how poor his sort of actual production in college was but yeah um yeah the the speed score uh is definitely something to pay attention to i think athleticism matters probably more at the running back position than some of the other positions we uh evaluate well yeah more than at wide receiver for instance but um so yeah, it's possible. Um, yeah, he could definitely be intriguing. I mean, I think you know Kenyon Drake also didn't come in with the with the best sort of uh, college production. So, uh, <laughs> and we saw him be useful at times anyway until this season. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I yeah, I'm intrigued to see what Balaj can do. Um, I I would expect they go back to him early next game, but. Um, yeah, kind of like you said, it's no certainty he has he has the yeah. position uh, all yeah. locked up. So, yeah, yeah, I agree. I wouldn't feel comfortable starting him. No, I, guess if I you're wouldn't desperate. at all. I mean, if exactly, if it's if you're desperate, then it's probably fine. But uh, not something I'm plugging him in and feeling amazing about. <laughs> yeah, Tim Patrick hauled in five of eight targets to lead the Broncos in receiving yards for the second straight week in Denver's Week 15 loss to the Browns. Uh, a lot of people were expecting Cortland Sutton to take over wide receiver one duties following Emmanuel Sanders' injury, but for the second week in a row, he's been out-targeted or outgained by either Tim Patrick or Deshaun Hamilton. So uh, what are your expectations for Sutton going forward? Yeah, I, I'm i definitely not as high on Sutton as a lot of people were. I know people were expecting some pretty big things from him this year, even before uh, you know Demarius Thomas was traded away and Emmanuel Sanders went down. Um, he had some flashes and he was putting up some pretty decent air yards numbers. I, I'm not, a, I'm not as excited as people. I think a lot of people were sort of expecting him to kind of take over next year. I think that's a little bit far fetched. Um, he's pretty inconsistent. He's an interesting prospect. Again, he's sort of got some nice stuff about him. Uh, he's a big guy, obviously, uh, 218 pounds. He had a decent breakout age. Um, let's see here. He has breakout age. Looks like it was sixth best in the class, 20.2. Um, he had some very good market share numbers. I think he had a career market share of about 30%. Um, so he's okay. He's okay. I think that he's probably going to get a ton of opportunity in Denver. Um, the thing is, I'm a little bit biased. I got to admit, I... I'm an extremely frustrated Broncos fan. You go back and look at the drafts that John Elway has had on the offensive side of the ball, and it's incredible. Go back and look at the drafts he's had over the last few years, and there's not a single playmaker in there. There's not a single difference maker (laughs) they've had on offense. 
you know, Philip Lindsay is the biggest difference difference maker they've had on offense, and he was an undrafted free agent. There's no one. So, you know, I'm fond of saying that the next the next good offensive player that John Elway drafts will be his first, <laughs> uh, and that's true. And maybe that's Sutton. Maybe it isn't. I'm not too sure. But I'm personally, if I'm own him in Dynasty, I'm seeing what I can get for him. If people think he's going to have a, I think he should have a big role next year. Um, but everything's up in the air in Denver. I don't think Vance Joseph's going to be back next year. Uh, who knows about Elway? He's pro- probably got a job for life there. So I think he's going to try to definitely give Sutton every chance to, su- to succeed. And whoever, or whatever coach comes in there next year, I think Elway's going to make sure he knows that you know Sutton's his guy. But I'm not that optimistic on him. Uh, I think he's a bit boom bust. He, he's probably that's probably what we're going to see from him going forward is just you know some big games and some bad games um, and a little bit of lack of consistency. But um, I admit to a little bit of bias on there. Do you have Do you have any strong takes on Court and Sutton? Uh, I don't really have strong takes. I think Sutton was someone I wasn't all that high on. Well, yeah. I should say relatively high on as a prospect coming in. Um, but I that part of that might have been unfair. Um, you know, he does have some things about his profile that are really nice. You mentioned the breakout yes. age. Yeah. Um, he, uh, you know, declared early, which is always a good sign. So there's a lot of a lot of aspects of his profile that uh, are positive. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm probably in the camp of I was I'm, <laughs> have come to be someone who's expecting more from him and i'm still i guess hopeful that he will be the guy going forward uh that he will be the broncos wide receiver one um yeah i don't know do you think tim patrick or deshaun hamilton are they like for real could they step into a much larger role permanently i can't uh, i haven't looked into those guys too closely just just from watching the game last night and watching the last couple of weeks I, I think tim patrick looks like uh he might be a player i don't know much about his profile to be honest with you um but no i i think they are going to i don't see any big role for them next year i, I don't really see tim patrick sort of you know maintaining this type of volume next year uh i think that they you know they're gonna have to try and draft someone again because again they've just they've just failed to draft anyone um so you know Deshaun Hamilton is nothing special as a prospect uh Cortland Sutton is maybe good maybe not uh, but that's all they have so I think that they're going to need to again be looking at playmakers in this draft and uh, I think you know that's going to come at the expense of a guy like Tim Patrick yeah not directly related to maybe the receiving game but what do you make of uh Royce Freeman in the season he's been having yeah, it's an interesting situation. I think we've seen uh, Philip Lindsay struggle a little bit the last couple of weeks, and I could I could see uh, the Broncos start to give uh, Freeman a little bit more of a chance to see what he can do. I was I was interested to note last night that Freeman, uh, uh, the the first time they got down to the end zone uh, on that pass interference call on Saturday night, it was Freeman in for the whole series uh, inside the five, which was very surprising because. Uh, Lindsay had been getting all the goal line carries the last month or so coming in, coming into that game. Uh, so that was interesting to me to see Freeman uh, there. And I, I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Lindsay's carries scale back a little bit, you know, fair or not. He's a smaller guy and he's going to have that knock of 
you know, not being able to kind of keep up the durability over the course of a full season. Uh, whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I could I could see the Broncos coaching staff sort of giving credence to that thought. And, and you know, they paid a big price for Royce Freeman. So um, I wouldn't be surprised to see him get a little bit more run uh, as the Broncos run out the season here. They, you know, they, they paid a, a big price for Freeman, as they say. Um, so they might want to see a little bit more what's going on with him. And then next season, I think all bets are off. As I mentioned, uh, who knows what's going to happen with his coaching staff, even the uh, the management of the team. Um, so next season, you know, I think there's a, there's a decent chance if Freeman has a good camp that he could force, you know, himself back into the conversation as the, as the lead back or kind of the 1A or, or 1B to Lindsay. But uh, I think he's going to be giving, given an opportunity in the next coming couple weeks to to show a little bit more about uh if if it was worth spending that draft pick on him yeah for sure he's someone who was you know at leading up to the season it was starting to be really overdrafted i think going in like the third round in some yeah in some drafts but now at the end of the season he could actually make a uh, a decent dynasty by low yeah yeah he could i mean you know i don't see anything impressive when i watch him I'm um, certainly not a film guy by any means, but just watching him, I mean, he definitely seems to have some power, but he doesn't have that burst that, that Lindsay does. That's for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not too sure what to expect from him. I'm, I'm, I'm I, I wasn't buying him in the third. Um, I was drafting a whole bunch of different running backs over him. You know, I was drafting Rashad Penny over him and dynasty drafts, uh, carry on Johnson over him and dynasty drafts, or even Ronald Jones over him. Um, so, you know, he's an okay prospect, but again, I think just so much uncertainty in Denver, uh, the quarterback situation is meh, the, um, you know, the weapons around them are meh. And I just think that offense is going to be a little bit in decline. The, the Broncos window is really closing and I could see them sort of entering a rebuild. And I'm not sure that that means good things for Royce Freeman. All right. That'll do it for this edition of the fantasy football report. Special thanks to our guest, Court Smith. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at bet the prop. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on iTunes and subscribe to our Patreon. I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, roadofhisradio at gmail.com. And follow us on Twitter at Rotoviz Radio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. commercial real estate challenges? For 160 years, companies around the world have trusted Savills for expert guidance and perfect workspace solutions. See what Savills can do for you at Savills.us. Right now at T-Mobile, get an awesome iPhone XR on us when you bring your family over and trade in your old device. Because whether you have mom, dad, or a friend on your mind, it's a gift so bold and brilliant, you'll want to keep it for yourself. 
And most importantly, it's on us in six vibrant colors. Plus, with unlimited everything from T-Mobile, the awesome iPhone XR will have everyone snapping, streaming, and sharing to their heart's content all year long. But don't wait. It's only for a limited time. So visit a store or call 1-800-T-MOBILE and get iPhone XR on us. If congested, customers using more than 50 gigs per month may notice reduced speeds due to prioritization. Video at 480p via 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers plus tax. Qualifying trade-in, port-in, service, and finance agreement required. Contact us before canceling our credit stop and remaining balance due. 64 gigs, zero down, plus 3125 per month for 24 months. Pre-credit price, 749 0% APR. One offer per account. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.